Hello everyone, I am your host, sci-fi author Crystal Storm. Tonight, we're going to explore a topic surrounded by information, misinformation, pop culture mythology, and everything in between, witchcraft. My guest, Christopher Penzag, is a witch, teacher, writer, and healing practitioner. He is the founder of the Temple of Witchcraft Tradition, a system of mystical training that draws from how he practices the craft, drawing on both modern and traditional witchcraft blended with the wisdom of the mystical traditions from across the globe. We'll take a deep dive into what witchcraft is, what it isn't, quell some of the myths surrounding the topic, and show you how you can begin your own journey into the craft. Come on. Let's take a peek inside Crystal's imagination. Again, everything just worked the way it was supposed to, and I love that. I love it so much. Welcome, everybody, on in. We are it's Crystal's imagination. Crystal's imagination. It's so hard to say. Crystal's imagination podcast episode eight. Learning the craft. I am your host, Crystal Storm. I am a science fiction author. Uh, you are diving deep into my imaginations. We cover topics that I will either research for my books or just because they really, really interest me, and I just love talking about that shit and bringing this wonderful, wonderful knowledge with you, to you, not with you, to you, whatever, to my audience. Um, today's guest is a gentleman that I have interviewed before a long time ago, a very, very long time ago. Uh, in that interview, we talked about his book that I think I do still have on my bookshelf, and if you're watching this on Twitch and on YouTube, you can see me hold it up. The first time I interviewed Christopher, we talked about this book, uh, Ascension Magic, which is an excellent book and one of my favorite books esoteric type books that I have over on a very, very big nonfiction bookshelf. Um, tonight, we're going to talk to Christopher all about witchcraft. Christopher, you've been practicing for how long? Uh, I got involved just out of high school, so right around 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher has written way too many books to count. Um, I think that all of his books should be taught in schools, actually, because he is just a wealth of knowledge, the way he writes and teaches, um, which just really resonates, and he brings things just down to an understandable, relatable level. So I am very excited tonight to talk to him and have him share with us what the craft is all about and talk about his his practice and his temples and his school and all of his books. So, Christopher, welcome, and thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah. like de- you're right? Oh my God, we're so fancy now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so Christopher, let's let's start with the basics here and really talk about what I'm sure everybody wants to know. When are we all going to get superpowers like Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange? <laughs> well, so that's an interesting thing because those are two totally different setups. So yeah. Scarlet Witch, you know, kind of, inherited born depending on whether you're a comic fan or you know the tv show fan was she you know a mutant was she an inhuman was she what's what's going on but like she kind of came in with the ability for it where dr right. strange had a study you know i think we're somewhere in between <laughs> i think some of us have natural skills but we still have to study so <laughs> right right okay okay you know what i will study as much as i can so long yeah. as that i can do that cool shit that he does with his hands like that just, that's it teleport. you know if i didn't have to get on planes anymore i could just teleport place to place that'd be great yeah <laughs> that is fantastic that yes i will buy that book so fast so so, so fast yes these are the mysteries all right so i love that you're a comic book fan too that i can just and you just went right into it that was so great so so, so who's your favorite dr strange scarlet wish is it somebody different in, in the mcu that's your fave 
I mean, I love the character of the Scarlet Witch, and I, I mm -hmm. particularly am a big Mutants fan. So, you know, I loved nice. it when she was a mutant. They sort of changed that in the, the more recent comics in the last 10 years or so. Right. Uh, I love Doctor Strange, too, for other reasons. You know, I feel like Doctor Strange has never really had a great comic. Um, you know, I love the stories and characters, but he's he just always kind of ends up in limbo somewhere. I loved him when he was part of the New Avengers. I thought that was amazing. And yeah. I actually really love Doctor Voodoo. Did you follow Doctor Voodoo at all? No, not at all. There's a storyline where Doctor Strange is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme, and it goes to Brother Voodoo, who then becomes Doctor Voodoo. He was always a doctor, but he got an upgrade as a superhero name. Um, and that was really fascinating, because it, it showed the kind of um, influx in the comics. Granted, it was still comics, but in the influx of the comics between Voodoo traditions and the kind of Marvel magic and how they yeah. intersected. And it was just really, it was really short-lived, but really great storytelling. That, you know what? Hopefully, maybe in uh, Doctor Strange 2, we'll get to see some of Doctor Voodoo or maybe in more of Scarlet Witch's story. I don't know. That'd be cool if we could, though. Yeah. But yes. if I had to say which is my favorite, um, going into the mutants realm, the the character Magic, Dark Child, Ileana, Ileana Rasputin, who's just in the New Mutants movie, if anybody saw that. And I thought she was really great in that. Uh -huh. um, but from the comics, the whole idea of, of kind of this demon sorceress who's also a teenager and is both a mutant and a sorceress, um, that's just my jam. You know, So if I had to pick one that was my favorite, it's Ileana. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Okay. We've just geeked out on comics while while talking about magic and stuff. That's the thing. I love this fucking show. I do. All I love it so much. We're just lost right now, but all the cool kids. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you can be both. You don't have to put yourself in a box. We're just saying. <laughs> so, uh, Christopher, you said that you got into the craft at a very, very early age when you were 18. Um, how did, did that begin? Did that begin where you just thought it was cool? You picked up a book? Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. You know, it's so strange to say that now because so many of my peers and, and new authors and everything are like, oh, I've been in the craft since I was 12. So 18 seems, you know, like old. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it was pretty young because at that time it was, you know, they didn't, the peers and the mentors I had didn't mention they were a witch to anybody who was under 18. Like it wasn't, oh, wow. you know, it wasn't family witchcraft. There was not a whole lot of books that were out at that time. And my mm -hmm. first mentor actually said, you know, you were really afraid of kind of getting the charge of corrupting a minor. So like, unless you oh. knew people, you didn't tell them things because everybody still thought witches were Satanists. Wow. Uh, and not that Satanists can't be wonderful people too, but just, you know, all the confusion that was out there was just after the 80s satanic panic, you know, so a lot of people were really right. scared. Um, and I actually was a skeptic. So this this childhood friend of mine who was my art teacher from when I was like seven to 16, gave me my first job, was a close family friend, was over for dinner and all that. Um, I asked her to be my confirmation sponsor when I was Catholic, believe it or not. And oh, she wow. And was like, I'd really love to say yes, but I can't. And that's all I can say. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like, I'm like, you know, I know we're all kind of just going through the motions here, but like, if someone's going to do it, I want you to be it, you know? And she's like, no, I just can't. Um, and that was the first weird inkling. Um, and then once I turned 18, she started talking more about spirituality in general. And she was my art teacher. So we started talking about like hieroglyphics and Celtic not work. And we started talking about all sorts of different history. And then she finally kind of came out and said, well, you get it, right? And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do I get? She was like, that I'm a witch. And I was like, what? Um, and I thought she was crazy. I thought she had lost her mind. I thought she had joined a cult. Um, I was, you know, super 18-year-old arrogant kid thinking, like, I'm going to rescue you. And you don't yeah. know what um, she was incredibly patient with me. And she was like, I'll talk to you about this, but first I want you to read this book. And I was like, I'm not going to read, you know, I'm not going to be indoctrinated into your thing. Um, and so she gave me a book on quantum physics. And I was oh, wow. like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Because I, I was kind of, you know, on the line between going into science and going into music. And I chose music. But mm -hmm. I still I was interested in science. And I was like, that was interesting. But, you know, what does this have to do with witchcraft? 
She's like, all right, well, now read this book. And I was like, okay. And it was on hermetic philosophy. And I was like, all right, but again, what's this have to do with witchcraft? And and then first introduction to hermeticism. Um, and then she gave me a book on witchcraft that was my first formal teacher's book, Lori Cabot. It was her book, Power of the Witch. Yeah. From that point, she's like, now we have enough language to talk about it. So what do you want to know? Um, and at that point, I was intrigued. You know, she was very mm -hmm. smart to kind of give me the information. And I asked her all sorts of questions. And I was still skeptical. Um, and then I got invited. She she had me. She was involved with some of the covens in Salem. And they're having the big anniversaries of the witchcraft trials. And she invited me out to Gallows Hill and Samhain. And so me and a, a childhood friend of mine, college friend of mine came. Um, and it was a madhouse. It was like, you know, TV crews and documentaries. And, and right. it was magical at the time. Looking back on it, you couldn't hear what was happening. You didn't see what was happening, but I was a part of something, you know? Right. Um, and then she's like, all right, well, now that you've seen that, I'm going to take you to one of the circles at my house. And so she invited me to her coven. Um, and interestingly enough, so, you know, living at home at the time, just starting college, my mother deeply concerned about what I'm getting involved in, even though she trusts my my first mentor, my first friend here. Um, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm interested too. Let's let's see. So my mother and I are here at this witch's coven at someone's backyard at the full moon. Um, and we had an opportunity to do a spell. And the spell that, you know, I wanted to, I had no real intentions around it, but the spell that I decided on doing was at a friend and also in Catholic school um, who got pregnant in her senior year of school and hid it from everybody. Right. And it was of a larger size and she lost weight during the pregnancy. So no one suspected she was pregnant, but she was also malnourished because she was basically had a bit of a nervous collapse because of, you know, not having the support, not being able to handle it. Her right. family turned out to be incredibly accepting and loving, and I'm sure they were praying for her and doing everything they could medically and, and all that. Uh, but she was in danger, according to, you know, all the doctor stuff when I talked to her. So my spell was that, you know, she and the baby get through labor and, mm -hmm. that the, and be fine and healthy and, and all that. Um, and the labor be as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she really emphasized, write these things down. So I wrote that down in my journal that night. And uh, so maybe four or five weeks after the spell happens, she gives birth. Mm -hmm. Baby's fine. Mother's fine. And the labor was something like two hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she was yeah. like, I don't know why everyone was worried. Like, the baby was, like, shifted where it was in the uterus. Like, she got more nutrition over that course of the five weeks. Like, she sailed through it really fine when none of the doctors that so i was like oh there's something to this um, yeah. but i was still sick you know i still like you know get right. hit over that head, but i'm still not gonna believe it right um, right and so i love that, the skepticism though it's so great it's just like all right yeah i did something maybe no, it worked no, okay i get all those students now you know like they're always like oh prove it to me i'm like you know it's not my job to prove it to you if you enter it open-heartedly and experience you can have an experience it's your experience, though. It's not my job to give you your experience. You know, I went in open-minded but skeptical, and I think that's often the best way to go. So right. um, she taught me meditation. She taught me how to read tarot. She taught me some stuff in her coven. And then she's like, you're asking too many questions I can't answer. So she sent me to her teacher, who's Lori Cabot. And I started taking classes with Lori, and I started going to things in the Salem community down there. And that was really kind of my first serious training and first uh Getting, getting my feet wet. And I had a really profound experience in one of Lori's classes about psychic diagnosis. Um, so, you know, here we go in and here's this woman who's dressed like the archetypal witch, if you don't know her, she's got a tattoo on her face and you know, the hair out to here and always dresses in black and is walking around <laughs> with her staff and, you know, and, and beautiful. And I really appreciate that now. But at the time at 19, I was like, what is, what is this, you know? <laughs> 
and she's like by the end of the class everyone here is going to be able to awaken their psychic powers and i was like eh, sure um, and then i saw her do things in class and i was like okay maybe you can do this but i don't think i can do it and then by the end of the class i did things that i thought were impossible at least for me um, and wow. it so blew my mind and having all the philosophy in place you know the thing that really hammered home for me was our interconnectedness because in essence i was just kind of reaching through the psychic web of creation and receiving information I couldn't possibly have. I had no linear knowledge. And it was something that was verified. Basically, you got the name, age, and location of somebody who you didn't know. And they had some diagnosed medical illness. And your partner has it on a paper that you can't see in front of them. Um, and they're kind of guiding you through this process where you diagnose what's wrong with them that's been verified by a doctor. So either you're connecting to them right. or you're reading the mind of the person across from you. But either way, something is happening. Right. You know, it's something I couldn't explain. And just the the awareness that if I could receive thoughts, then whatever I'm thinking is projected out to the whole. Yeah. And I wasn't always happy with what I was thinking. I wasn't really a happy person. So I was like, you know, if I have that level of responsibility, this is what's happening for all of us. You mm -hmm. know, I need to get control of myself and I need to understand why I'm unhappy and I need to, you know, get on a course of life that is more happy and get in tune with myself. So witchcraft was incredibly healing for me just because it, it right. gave a reality of that and the sense of responsibility to take care of yourself before you could take care of anything else but also to realize we're here to help take care of each other and take care of the world that's really beautiful that's really really beautiful yeah i also i, I i'm really jealous by the way of kind of the foundation that you got as well i, I you know i love that the first book that she handed you was quantum physics first of right. all because i it's something that i just love studying and i'm not a science person like at all like people say math and high scientific compact complex and my eyes just like glaze over and i'm just like cookies i don't know what you're saying to me uh <laughs> but i mean but i'm just quantum physics was something that i'm just like oh this is so freaking inter like there's something here that's going to like this is going to be the thing that kind of takes all this spirituality and woo woo shit and grounds it so people who are skeptics can can understand it and kind of have that language to see that this is what we've been talking about all along um so yeah i love that she kind of started you with that and then you just slowly got your your initiation that's awesome that is that is what so what's the first book that you hand your students now when they come to you it, it depends on how serious they are and where mm -hmm. their the knowledge is so if someone's studying serious with me the first textbook of our first degree is the inner temple of witchcraft mm -hmm. um, and that has a science section and that is a hermetic section and some of the students kind of groan on that and they're just like oh why do we have to learn this what does this have to do with witchcraft and, and it's not for everybody but it's for people like you and me that need to to understand as a rational person why mm -hmm. does this work you know mm -hmm. um, and some people don't need that but i think it's right. good you might have a, even if you don't need it you may have a student in the future that needs it so you need to be able to have that that under your belt yeah. Um, sometimes a lot of people will come for, you know, they're concerned about something. They feel like they're under a curse or that they're overly sensitive or something's going on in their life that they feel is out of control. And I usually start with the witch's shield, which is about kind of protection magic and grounding and psychic hygiene. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wrote a book that's actually coming out with a new edition this year called The Mystic Foundation. And it's for the person that's brand new, doesn't even know if witchcraft's the thing that they want. But let's say you walk into a metaphysical store and you just look around and go, well, what's this all about? It's just kind of a book on the basic philosophies and and kind of a survey of world religions and world theologies to say, you know, these are the things that go into why your crystal works. This goes into why you should meditate. This is what feng shui is. This is what energy is. This is how it all relates. 
<laughs> but it doesn't pick any one paradigm. So you don't have to be a witch. You could be Christian and read it and be open to it. You could right. come from any faith tradition, but it's just about mysticism and metaphysics. Love that. So Love that. Just depends yeah. on who they are and what they're asking for, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you now, with your, I have so many questions going through my brain, my brain, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> so now that uh, we are slowly, very slowly coming out of the pandemic and being very cautious, um, I know that you have, uh, uh, do you have an online school where you teach as well, or is it all face-to-face? -face? And we have both, actually. So mm -hmm. we actually have a physical temple here in Salem, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we have in-person classes, and I'm not the only teacher. We've got other teachers that are certified to teach both in the specific tradition and just other classes we host. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have an online mystery school. So if people want to do it online, and we've had students from Sweden, we've had students from Italy, students yeah. from Brazil, China, um, everywhere. We try to accommodate as best we can, although it's, it is a course in English. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we have online students that start up for, we, we offer all five levels. Um, and we go for a year long time and then we take maybe three months off and then we start up again. Um, and so you can take breaks in between or you can go all the way through. It is pretty intensive though for the homework. So um, we have some classes that are just do what you want and just take the course and have fun with it. But the degree classes confer membership and initiation. So there's homework every month, you get feedback. Sometimes you're asked to do things again. Yeah. Um, when you get to levels, you get to be a mentor for people who are on the lower levels and um, and there's an application process, so not everybody who applies necessarily is the right fit for it. So if we don't feel like you're a right fit, we might not say, you know, this is the, the place to start for you. So, yes, it's so we have lots of online options for people. So people who, who uh, yeah. can't come to us physically. And I've really enjoyed that in this time of COVID. I've also done a lot of classes just on Zoom, one yeah. night class live to connect with people. And that's been fun, too, if we can't see people in flesh. Yeah. Has a, is, do you, I, and I know that the energy is obviously different versus, you know, being in person, but being over, you know, over a computer. Um, but have you found it that, you know, the things that you guys do to be just as powerful if people are there and kind of present and connected and that sort of thing? I think it's the, the amount of energy you put into it is the amount mm -hmm. of energy you get out of it. Absolutely. So a lot of our um, online classes are, they're not at a set time. They're, uh, as long as you get the work done within the span of the month, you can do it whenever you want. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually a rec audio recording of a live class. So you get the feel of the live class. You get a sense of what happens if you were there. Um, it's not set up like a video, like a high production end type of thing. Although my Zoom classes sometimes are like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so the more you put into the process of it, because I think if you just watch the watch a video or if you just listen to the audio and aren't doing the homework every day and aren't practicing, you're not going to get that much out of it. But if you've prepared yourself, by the time you do the stuff with the audio or you kind of follow along in the book, I think it can be pretty profound. And ideally what we're trying to do is to get people to learn how to do the rituals on their own. So they mm -hmm. don't actually need the audio of it. They get the feel for it that way, but they really learn all the parts to be able to kind of express themselves with it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so let's, let's kind of, uh, let's kind of, let's, let's go back, uh, to, to the basics just a little bit. And, you know, you and I, uh, we actually, <laughs> it's funny you said you were Catholic because I also grew up Roman Catholic and, uh, thinking back on it, <laughs> what a cult that is, but, uh, <laughs> y'all are into some weird shit. I'm just saying, <laughs> but, uh, how difficult was it for you to go from, you know, that, that Roman Kenneth kind of, you know, mono, you know, God belief to, I mean, what you, what you practicing now, did it kind of help feed into your skepticism as, you know, when people are talking about, you know, all the different gods and this, that, you know, inner gods and outer gods and all that. Yeah. Um, well, I think growing up Catholic, 
unless you have a phenomenally different experience than I've had, and it sounds like what than you, you've had, um, I think you come out damaged in some way. I think you. A bit. <laughs> you, know, you know, you can heal from it. I'm not saying you'll always be damaged, but the idea there's there's a wounding because it is, you know, a religion based on wounding, you know, crucifixion. Um, I love, and it's been interesting for me as a witch to look at the technology in Catholicism. And I think the idea of the incense and the repeated prayers and the iconography of the saints, mm -hmm. all, all has pagan roots and all works yeah. magic. Um, I think their inability to teach people the why always left me questioning. Always. You know, every yeah. time I had a question, you know, there was never a satisfying answer. Never. Even it just said, you know, that's part of the mystery and we don't know, but let's do something together for you to experience it. That would have been okay with me, but it's like, no, just believe. Mm -hmm. um, that always, you know, kind of shut me down from it. I think, you know, as I got a little bit more savvy, as savvy as a high school person can be in, in <laughs> you know, sense of politics and social order and, in the late right. 80s, early 90s, you know, realizing I was a queer man, realizing that, you know, Catholicism was not down with that, you know, so yeah. um, in this, you know, do I believe in a God that wants to deny kind of my basic sense of self? And how do I feel about my basic sense of self? Why should I be shamed by this? You know, and, and um, just seeing the hypocrisy, because that's when a lot of the kind of child abuse speculation yeah, all that came out, right? Out, you know, so uh, I was like, just the hypocrisy over like, I can be out and open and that's not okay, but you can have all this hidden and that's okay. Like that, that right. really blew my mind. Um, so I think by the time I got into witchcraft, I was just like, you know, we'll prove it to me. I think that's part of why I was skeptical and think, you know, you joined another cult. Right. Um, really interested in consciousness and really interested in things like Hinduism and Buddhism. But mm -hmm. in the early nineties, like the closest you're going to get to an experience of that is yoga at the gym, which, you know, was not going to teach you about yoga. Right. Um, it'll poses but it won't teach you the philosophy so i was like all right well what am i looking for and then witchcraft sort of kind of unexpectedly fell on my lap but it, it still it, it made it hard and easy in some ways in the sense that um, i think you should question your teachers i think you should question where things come from i think you should do your own research mm -hmm. and if you encounter somebody or something that says don't you know that's a worry to me and so i always try to be very open with my students you can research whatever you want you can look whatever you want we're focused on this right now and this right. is what I need to get done in the framework of what we have. But if you have other questions or you want to take other classes, or you want to do other things, that's fine as long as you don't lose your focus for what we're focused on. Um, and that was helpful for me, you know, but I, mm -hmm. I think as time has gone on to look at some of the, even like the changes from Vatican II, you know, I remember my right. grandmother talking about how she just really disliked church after Vatican II. And I was like, I couldn't understand why, because I'm thinking it should be easier because it's in English now and you can understand it better. And she was like, no, no, you don't understand. And the more I learned ritual, the more I'm like, oh yeah, they changed the formula. And you know, the, the mm -hmm. idea of words you don't use every day and the less becoming less ritualistic kind of robbed it of something for people. And so yeah. it, it's interesting to, to see that there's a baseline kind of technology of consciousness that runs through a lot of religions, but the reasons why are different in each religion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what is so if you know if there's a someone who's listening tonight who comes from one of those deeply religious backgrounds or is just super skeptical um because i mean witchcraft is so i mean it's it's all over the place it's in our pop culture i mean it, yeah you, I, every swear to you, every <laughs> you know it's you're either you know you're cool like dr strange or you're bringing out the devil in somebody like that's it that there's no in between when you look at like witchcraft and like the media it's either we have superpowers or y'all the devil. That's it. That's that's it. So what, and it's going to be a big question, I know, but let's start with what is witchcraft? So 
the classic definition I got from Lori Cabot that I still mm -hmm. use in all my classes is um, witchcraft is an art, a science, and a religion. And it's the art, science, and religion of magic, of causing change. You know, so when we look at witchcraft, it's having these three aspects of it. It's the craft of shaping your soul through art, science, and religion. That's beautiful. That's it. We're done. Podcast over. That's it. We're not asking him. I'm not asking any more questions. That's it. It's done. <laughs> Go buy a book. <laughs> a lot of our craft is like the spells and the potions and the making charms, but really you're crafting your consciousness. You're crafting your soul. Um, and I really love that triple model and it's really guided me in everything that I do because everyone can approach it from the place that they're most comfortable with. So when I started, I was deeply uncomfortable with the religion. So I would change the definition. I'd be like, it's an art, science, and spirituality because religion to me meant dogma. Right. Um, although now that I run a religious organization, I think it's good to you know be recognized as a religion because that way then you get you know legal support and right. you can't be fired from your job if it's a place <laughs> to, you know, to fire people for their, their religion. I, I understand what you say. Every time you say religion, like something inside of me just twitches. Like, don't say that. Don't say that. So I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. You know, the more you get into the researching of where things come from, you know, one of the theories is the word religion is a lot like the word yoga, where mm -hmm. yoga meant to yoke you to the divine, to connect you to the divine. Religion is the link or the bridge to the divine. Mm. What we think of as religion today is prophetic religions that have a, a, a creed of belief. But in the ancient world, there were the mystery cult religions where you had an experience. Um, so witchcraft is really drawing from things like the Eleusinian mysteries and the Dionysian mysteries and these ideas that they're religions, but they're religions of experience. They're not religions of dogma. Right, 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 right. What is then the difference between paganism and witchcraft? Because those two words get interchanged so much. They do. And I don't, I, I feel like I don't have a good answer that's going to satisfy everybody. Because yeah. as years have gone by, those words have changed, all these words have changed, but mm -hmm. the, the way I used to explain it, um, some people would really disagree with today, but I'm gonna still use that way as the starting point for it. Okay, let's do it. So when I, when I started, um, so pagan usually refers to people of the land um, and it refers to people who were practicing the pre-Christian religions. And some people equate it with heretic, but it doesn't actually mean heretic. It means people of the old religion or people of the land-based religions. So technically we're neo-pagans or the new pagans, but nobody thinks that sounds cool. So we all call ourselves pagans. <laughs> and I learned that paganism is a broad category and within paganism, there's other groups that can get smaller and smaller. So there's paganism and within paganism, there's witchcraft. And within witchcraft, there's the separations between those who identify just with witchcraft and those who identify with Wicca. And then within those branches, and sometimes they cross over a little bit, there's separate denominations and orders and groups. Just like there's Christianity. I hate right. to use a Christian example, but it's the best way people understand. And within Christianity, there's Catholicism and Protestantism, and there's a separation between Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox, and then there's the different branches of Protestantism into Baptist. So, you know, there's the wider range of Christian, there's the wider range of pagan. So pagan usually refers to people of earth-based nature-based belief systems mm -hmm. um, but they're not necessarily doing magic they're not necessarily doing witchcraft they're not necessarily doing ceremony so that's what mm -hmm. separates a lot of witches pagans might do simple folk ceremonies they might do home rituals they might do a lot of devotional reverence mm -hmm. um, and right now in these days there's been a popular term of um, sometimes equating it with paganism and sometimes separating out the idea of polytheist okay. um, because a lot of polytheists, meaning many gods, um, 
the polytheism of the occult world in which I practice is very much about the interconnection of all things and ultimately one source of consciousness, where a lot of more historic polytheists or what people would call hard polytheists don't look at all gods as kind of having one root source or all gods being similar. They're very distinct individuals and they're very much more involved in reconstructing um, and renewing the old pagan traditions in those cultural contexts where I tend to be more of an occultist. So I'm looking more for the, the kind of mysticism and magic that cuts across all cultures. Love that. Love that. I think that was a pretty good breakdown. That was a pretty good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. Is there a difference? Between... <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I'll say just so for some folks, because there'll always be somebody in the chat that said, oh, I thought it was this way. Um, <laughs> there's some people identify as witches as either a vocation, mm -hmm. or I even think of witchcraft sometimes as an orientation, almost like being queer. You know, either you are or you aren't, and you kind of awaken to it, or you might flirt with it in college for a bit, but decide it's not for you, you know? Uh -huh. um, but so for that, many people believe you could be a root religion and still be a witch. So you might be a Christian witch or a Jewish witch or an Islamic witch or a Hindu witch. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a little bit more of a modern, I mean, it's an old idea, but it's gaining more modern popularity. When I started practicing, nobody really described it that way. And I think it's a fair way to describe it. But like everything in what we do, when someone says, I'm a witch, I'm a pagan, I'm this, I'm that, I usually have to follow it up with, oh, that's great. What do you mean by that? Because mm, so many definitions now. Yeah, right. it could mean so right. many different things. Yeah. Is there a difference between witchcraft and being a practicing witch and being a Wiccan? Yes. And that's changed over the years, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day, I had a teacher who was, you know, active in the 60s and 70s. And he said at one point, you know, all sort of, you were so different from everything else. Even if you practiced a different denomination, it was all roughly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's not. So Wicca technically refers to those who can trace their descent from what are known today as British traditional Wicca or traditional Wiccan groups. The two most prominent being those of Gerald Gardner, and those okay. are referred to as Gardnerian Wiccans, and mm -hmm. those of Alexanders, which are known as Alexandrian Wiccans. Um, as those, those traditions kind of formed and, and continue and propagate, you have to be initiated by somebody in good standing in those traditions. So you can't just declare yourself to be an Alexandrian witch any more than you could declare yourself to be a Catholic without going to the Catholic church and going through the sacraments and converting. Right. Um, what happened in the 70s through the work of Raymond Buckland, he brought Gardnerian Wicca to America, um, but then he later wrote a book called, uh, a tradition in a book called Siax Wicca, The Tree. Um, and he basically created a Saxon form of Wicca that did not require initiation. So you could just self-declare, self-initiate. That idea got more popular and was super popularized by a very popular um, author in the mainstream in the 80s named Scott Cunningham. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote a book called Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. I have that it book. Really, it really embraced the idea of solitary initiation or self-initiation, that you didn't have to join a coven. But because it was called Wicca, many people refer to themselves as Wiccans, although there was a lot of looseness between Wiccan and witch. And even a lot of Alexandrians and Gardnerians, particularly those I know in Britain, don't like to always use the word Wicca. They'll say that I'm an Alexandrian witch or I'm a Gardnerian witch. So again, who do you ask and you know what do they mean by it? Um, and so their divide became between British traditional Wicca or traditional Wicca and eclectic and solitary Wicca. And there can be some dissonance and some discord because there's a lot of rules in traditional Wicca and a lot of structure, and there's not a lot of structure in eclectic Wicca. 
um, and Eclectic Wicca kind of branched off in many different areas and some different groups have put together different aspects of traditional Wicca and created their own semi-traditional or neo-traditional Wicca out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and some people recognize those as Wicca and some people don't, you know, so it's, it's interesting as things go on. And then there's other traditions of witchcraft that don't identify as Wicca, but because there's been so little information available over the years, sometimes they've incorporated knowingly and unknowingly Wiccan elements. So I was trained in the Cabot tradition of witchcraft, and it has a lineage that goes back to Kent, England, um, but it wasn't fully formed, you know, and Lori learned it when she was a teenager. So by the right. time she was ready to teach it and pass it on, you can definitely see over the years, elements of popular Wicca have come in and come out of it. You know, she's changed things and, and moved things through. Um, so, you know, there's other traditions like the Anderson Ferry tradition of Wicca, which has some, or excuse me, Anderson tradition of witchcraft, uh, which has at times and in different versions of it, things you might recognize as Wicca, um, but it's very non-Wiccan, you know, in its practice and its theology and its, and its way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, but it had some influence from it. So I think it's hard to be out there and not have some influence from traditional Wicca. I think we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if Gerald Gardner did not come up on the scene. Um, even if it's in reaction, some groups are so reactive of they don't want to be Wiccan, they base everything on not being Wiccan, and, and that's okay right. too. It was really interesting. I, I do prison ministry, um, and in prison ministry, in this particular group I was servicing, they um, had a really strong Norse background. They were Norse polytheists. They identified as heathen, um, and when you go into a prison, it's just pagan. Because in the prison, they don't care whether you're, you know, neo-Wiccan or they don't care whether you're, you know, heathen or pagan or anything like that. Right. Um, so I was going in to help people who are Egyptian, people who are Norse, people who are Celtic, people who are Wiccan. Um, and the Norse were very particular about, well, we don't want it to be Wiccan because everything's always Wiccan. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, what do you mean by that? And I couldn't get a clear answer. So I did a whole ceremony where I really responded in, in making it so not Wiccan. It was still witchcraft, but so... Right the Wiccan elements to it that you would recognize. Um, and they came back so disappointed. I never had such critique on one of my public rituals before. Um, and they were just like, well, there was no calling of the quarters. I was like, yeah. And there was no cakes and ale. Yeah. And I was like, there was no singing. I was like, yeah, because those are all the things that you've done before that are very Wiccan. They're like, oh, no, we like those things. I was like, all right, well, I don't know what you mean by Wiccan. So I'm just going to do what I do. And, you know, right, right. You know, hell, but this is what we're doing. <laughs> interesting is that i think more more than along the lines they just didn't want you to say it do all the things that are about it but just just don't say the word that's that's interesting i'm really <laughs> i'm still fascinated to this day of i don't know what they exactly think wiccan is if they i, I mean a really ubiquitous part is calling the watchtowers you know right. and so i did something that was like cross quarters north and south east and west very folkloric thinking oh they'll <laughs> like it i took it from Ang anglo-saxon mythology you know but nope they were like oh we want you know Hail and welcome. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. I, I consider that very wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love how you just, you know, Christopher's like, okay, whatever. We're just going to go with it. We're just, you know what? You just, you just, you just got to, you just got to go with it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive a little bit into um, Christopher's brand of witchcraft, what he teaches, um, all about temples. We'll talk a little bit about gods and what the hell we're talking about when we're talking about gods, because it's not all about Zeus, I promise. And <laughs> so don't go anywhere. It's Crystal's Imagination Talk Show, Episode 8, Learning All About the Craft. I'm your host, Crystal. Make sure you're, if you're listening to this on podcasts and YouTube and all that, that smash all the buttons the likes the comments the subscribes all that shit do it and we'll be right back if i can find my screen my screen's over here now i found it here we go when an enemy hires arden finch without realizing who or what she is arden risks everything to claim her forbidden elemental magic 
This hard-boiled private eye will have to save herself before she can save the world, even as the gods and her own community stand against her. Set in a supernatural North Carolina, Elemental is book one in a diverse new urban fantasy series. Kirkus Reviews called Elemental a genuine page-turner and gave the sequel, Eldritch Sparks, a starred review. Find Elemental at your favorite bookstore or save 10% when you buy directly from the author with code IMAGINATION10 at whwrites.com shop until July 31st, 2021. Hey guys, this is Mikey Flash from Speed Force Music. Do you need custom music for your podcast, YouTube show, or any other project? Look no further than Speed Force Music. We have a library of royalty-free music ready to go in your show right now. Or if you'd prefer, we can also custom craft music directly to your specifications. So for your next project, look no further than Speed Force Music. We are on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash speedforce-music. Or you can find us on YouTube under Speed Force Music. Let us custom craft a song directly for you. Thank you for listening to Crystal's Imagination Podcast. If you want to listen to a podcast similar, let me recommend the Delvin Cock Experience, a podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. Each episode, I interview a different guest trying to find out what makes them tick. I've had guests on such as James Gavsey, Crystal Storm, and many others. So after you get through listening to all the Crystal's podcasts, Check out the Delvin Cox Experience anywhere you get podcasts. Peace. Hello, Crystal's Imagination fans. Enjoy the sneak peek from the sci-fi novel, Sonarki, The Duology. The images crashed to the surface of Vasco's consciousness and brought with them the vortex of two powerful emotions. They welled up in his chest, slamming into his gut, his groin, a raging heat spreading through his limbs like a wildfire. Something else controlled it. Jealousy. Lust. Something else surrounded the light and dark, using them as they were meant to. Vasco's vision narrowed in, showing him the inside of the back of the car. The transition of time revealed itself in clarity. Snow fell around them, lightly coating the private runway. Vasco heard her asking Stefano about his first wife. Then she said something Vasco knew Stefano never expected to hear. Even caught off guard, the response came naturally. Would you want to marry me one day? I already would. Then do it. Marry me. It was the one thing everyone envied, yet never truly understood about those two. How they could possibly love one another so much. After a moment of lingering in the aftertaste, Vasco recoiled. Suddenly and violently, he was yanked from that memory and shoved into the next, some unseen force propelling him further into his mind. It grinded to a halt just as a jagged blade sliced open the skin on Stefano's back. Blood oozed from the wound, staining his dirty, sweat-laden flesh. His torturer picked up a bottle cap and shoved it into the open wound, twisting and digging the surprisingly ragged edges into the soft tissue. Vasco realized once more he'd slipped into the role of Stefano Terenzio, and he was both participant and viewer as Stefano's fists clenched and strained against the metal chains that kept him prisoner. Another cut, another shove, 
and it kept going until his entire back was aflame, his nerve endings writhing in agony as he struggled to bear it in silence. I hope you enjoyed this sneak peek of Sonarchy the duology. Fans of The Godfather and Stargate will enjoy this mobster versus alien sci-fi conspiracy thriller filled with secret societies and the metaphysical wonders that underpin our reality. Get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Scribd, or go right to the author's website, crystalsimagination.com backslash the duology. All right, everybody, welcome back to Crystal's Imagination Talk Show, Episode 8, Learning the Craft with my special guest, Christopher Penzak. Um, we've been having an amazing discussion about uh, <laughs> being Catholic and then turning into a witch and then <laughs> the broad definition. Yeah, comic books. So that's really the most important part, really. We were talking about Doctor Strange, which I can't wait. I need Doctor Strange to come out like right now. Right now, right now. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> Christopher, I was listening to one of your other interviews um, and you described yourself as a temple practitioner. Um, and it was very interesting how you talked about um, um, just all. Of, so di dive into that a little bit for me. What, what do you mean by saying that now you're kind of a temple practitioner? So um, our tradition of witchcraft is called the Temple of Witchcraft. So rather than have anything be named after the person founding it, particularly because I was one of the founders of it, um, rather I had some group of students who went around for a short period of time calling themselves Christopherians and another group that were calling themselves Penzacians. Um, and I wanted to discourage that right away. Uh, and so since it was based on, you know, classes that were called the Temple of Witchcraft and books that were called the Temple of Witchcraft, we eventually started calling the tradition the Temple of Witchcraft and then eventually built a nonprofit. Um, and so that's what has our school and houses a lot of, you know, our, our work together as a community. And really my my strong feeling about it going into the Aquarian age was it shouldn't be about any one person holding it. Um, although this is my business, I didn't want the community work to be business. So the idea of framing it under a nonprofit and having a board of directors and council and all that has been very helpful. And uh, for me, kind of tracing back the word witch, there's, you know, controversial etymologies of, of all sorts of things out there. Um, right. But one that it gets traced back to a Sanskrit word that essentially means temple or sacred. Um, and the idea that the witches or what we think of as witches and what we draw upon as modern witchcraft um, in the pre-Christian times were the temple priests and priestesses and were the keepers of the mystery traditions or the keepers of these centers of healing and these centers of honoring the gods depending on where you were and, and what the temple tradition was um, and the idea that a lot of our work is keeping good harmony between ourselves our community the gods the cosmos and a lot of the rituals that we do are keeping things turning keeping things in harmony working with people who are out of harmony listening to the spirits that tell humanity out of harmony and what, how we can do magic and how we can help each other in that way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I think of ourselves as, as temple practitioners. It's really kind of following the patterns of the sacred um, and really in following those patterns, which include, you know, equinoxes and solstices and full moons and dark moons and, and things like that. Um, but it's really kind of living your life as a priest or priestess, living your life as in every moment and every place is sacred really keeping everything in good order. Doesn't mean you don't have chaos. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days. Doesn't mean you also don't celebrate certain rituals that are chaotic purposely. Um, right. But the idea that you really um, seek that kind of inner and outer harmony is really what I think of as, as temple work. Um, and so that's a big factor in our, our work as the temple of witchcraft. I love that. I love that. Um, 
let's dive let's dive into this a little bit um, because you mentioned earlier, and I know that a lot of my listeners, um, just people in my community as well, um, we we suffer from like depression and anxiety. And you mentioned earlier about you know kind of how important it is to be mindful of of your thoughts and and kind of be a stewardess for those. So talk to me a little bit about how you all in your community kind of approach those kind of sensitive topics when someone comes to you and they say that you know they have these things. What's kind of how do you all kind of handle and approach that? Um, it depends on their level of commitment in the work of the community. Mm-hmm. So I approach somebody differently who just comes off the street and says, I have a problem and I need help. Right. It's different from a student many years into the program and the skills and the tools and the language that they have. Um, but generally you're looking for where there's disharmony, you right. know, and sometimes there's an obvious reason for it because we've gone through some type of trauma. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the obvious reason is, is that we have something biological that has an imbalance chemically and, and we can both address that pharmaceutically, but also address that verbally and, and looking at, you know, what are our seasons, you know, mm-hmm. even realizing the seasons of our lives, you know, a lot of people go through natural depression in wintertime and it is natural. Um, and how do you mitigate it? But also, you don't, you know, in wintertime, you're not supposed to be happy as if it's sun shining. You know, you're supposed to be withdrawn and kind of accepting, you know, what are these natural cycles and seasons and patterns? And um, we do a lot of journaling work. So the idea of realizing that, you know, there's going to be certain times in the year and certain times within the then your lunar cycles and solar cycles and astral. Oh, this is a tough time. And if I know why, I can start using that language to kind of plan and understand and process. So like right now, there's a, a difficult um, astrological square, mm-hmm. meaning they're at 90 degrees from each other um, between Uranus and Taurus and uh, Saturn and Aquarius. So if you're of a fixed sign right now, it's kind of difficult for you. So Tauruses, Aquariuses, Scorpios, and Leos are all having a rough time. So if you know that, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's not about like, well, we need to fix this. Like it is, it's nothing to fix. Um, but if you're having a hard time with it, then you think, well, this is why, what is Uranus about? What is Saturn about? What is it in relationship to my personal chart? How is it playing out? Where is it playing out in my chart? And how can I be more conscious? You know, and then it's thinking about, you know, meditative practices are huge about changing brain chemistry and body chemistry and just giving you an awareness and the the tools to respond rather than react. Keeping regular ritual can be very important. And then working with, for lack of a better word, spirit medicines. So Mm -hmm. working with herbs, even if they're not in pharmaceutical levels, Mm because I also feel like, you know, if you need medical help, get the medical help and let the doctors take care of the medicine. We'll take care of the spirit. Um, but working with flower essences, working with crystals, like I almost always have a crystal on me somewhere and I've got my little rose quartz here right now, just because I strangely still get nervous talking. So having something in my hands <laughs> is very helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, but also the energy of it, it's love and calmness and acceptance. Um, and so, you know, what is the situation? And then what is the point in nature that could be your ally to help remedy it? Whether it's mineralogical, whether it's plant-based, whether it's animal-based, whether it's meditative-based, whether it's a practice, Um, But it's just expanding your language to see the bigger picture and then figuring out how to respond. So like if a client comes to me and says they're suffering from depression, I might mix them a flower essence after talking to them. Mm -hmm. If a student comes to me, I might say, well, here's how you can do your own ritual or we can do a ritual together. If someone comes in great crisis, then I might do a healing session with them. Um, And it might be a transfer of energy. It might be, you know, a communion with the spirits depending on what they need at that time. But I, I'll take more of the responsibility to facilitate it mm-hmm. if it's an emergency or if it's a crisis. 
Um, and if it's less so of a crisis, I try to teach people how to facilitate that for themselves and just kind of be there as backup for them. I love that. It seems like you're giving people a lot of different tools to be able to deal with it. So I like that. I like that, you know, if you need to go seek traditional help, absolutely do and highly recommend that you do. But then there are also these other things that you can also use in conjunction with that to give you the answers. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. So right now has been shadow work. Yeah. <laughs> shadow work. I'm just doing a lot of fucking shadow work. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> doing it it's fine um, so yeah um so your 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 particular um brand of witchcraft that you practice also has anyone made a, a shirt that says i'm a christopharian did that happen before you shut it down no. yeah actually my favorite moment was is, uh, the story that came back to me was somebody in a large event that i was not there uh -huh. um, described themselves as a fifth degree penzakian in the cabot lineage and another student of mine pulled them aside on the break and said if christopher ever heard you say that he'd be really upset with you and she's like oh well what are we supposed to call these call ourselves and yeah. that started the whole question in our community of like well what do we call ourselves because i just called myself a witch i mean i started right. with lord cabot and that was you know it's what you called yourself you know right. but for me i was just i was just a witch and you know the people i taught i was teaching witchcraft classes and you know go forth and do as you will but as we started to kind of coalesce into a community people want identity yeah so, yeah I give them the identity that's also the most empowering that gives them the most freedom to kind of find their own way in it yeah i love that that that's really beautiful although christopherian sounds pretty cool sounds pretty i'm not gonna lie uh <laughs> You, uh, you do a lot of ancestry work, and that's become kind of a, a new fascination with me, mostly because every time I do tarot readings for myself now, I keep getting that damn card. Um, so <laughs> talk to me a little bit about, you know, what is ancestry work, and, and how can you uh, just kind of begin to maybe um, start that practice of, of communing with the ancestors, and why would it be important? So the ancestors are the first spirits that really care the most about you and understand where you're coming from, because mm -hmm. they were pretty much in the same position you're in now. They were alive, they had human problems, they're connected to your bloodline, so they're mm -hmm. looking for things to go forward. Although my definition of ancestors includes all sorts of adopted ancestors, ancestors of place, Ooh. ancestors of story, ancestors of spiritual tradition. So I identify a lot of my ancestors with the witches of the past, mm -hmm. with musicians who've passed that I feel a great kinship with because my life before this was in music. Right. Um, the idea that, you know, working with um, ancestors of place, like the indigenous people of, of New England and the colonial people of New England and all that is within the layers of the land here, but their bones are here. So that's part of the ancestry of where I put down roots. Like we were talking, you know, before we started about moving in cities we've lived in and everything, I've always lived in New England. I've always lived in New Hampshire somewhere. Right. And so this is rooted, you know? And so the people who lived here, even though they're not my blood relatives, they're they're my relatives, you know? Um, so they're most likely to answer because they understand and they're most likely because they're closest to the human realm to kind of hear the human cries for help and, and support. Um, but when we look at the ancestors, this is a, a thought that's not popular from a lot of people, particularly modern Americans. So I hate to break it to you from a, a spiritual perspective. Um, <laughs> you inherit things from the ancestors, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, by bad, I mean difficult to process. Mm -hmm. So you might get your talents, you know, be might be passed along and you might inherit things in your family. Um, mm -hmm. Both my grandfathers were very artistic. One was a musician and one was an artist. And okay. I spent like the first you know, from seven to 16 studying graphic arts. And then I suddenly decided I'm going to be a musician with no prior training and I have a degree in a uh, bachelor's in music. 
Um, and then I gave all that up when that was kind of resolved and went into witchcraft, you know, the figure. <laughs> um, but so you can inherit these skills because I was more skilled than I had the training I had in music. But at the same time, you inherit their complexes. You know, things are passed along in the blood that are unresolved. And it's not your fault, which is why a lot of people don't like it. They think, well, I didn't do this, so why do I have to worry about it? Okay. And I have a friend who constantly says, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. If you're capable of cleaning it up, then it's probably your job. So if you feel the urge within you, and a lot of things get passed on in families that are, are they, they often call them ancestral curses now. I don't know if that's my favorite term for it, because I don't think they're curses, mm -hmm. but I think they're, you know, wounding. Yeah. And so unresolved wounds get passed, abuse gets passed on, addiction gets passed on. And if you're conscious enough to break it, then it's your job to break it. If you're not conscious enough to break it, then you might perpetuate that cycle and just you're it's part of your family ancestry, but it's becoming more and more conscious about it. So venerating the ancestors makes it more clear and conscious about what you've inherited, both good and bad, gets them working cooperatively with you. Mm -hmm. um, gives you a sense of, of where things are coming from and gives you a greater capacity to heal. And as you heal, there's a belief that it reverberates around through your whole family. So I'll never have children, or at least mm -hmm. I don't plan on having children. Yeah. But the idea that whatever ancestral work that I do is reverberating through my bloodline, through other people in my family who are having children. Mm -hmm. And so things will get healed, even though it might not be my direct descendants. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way to think about it. I also like too, that you include ancestors of, of kind of respecting the land that you're on and the areas that you were in. And also I really resonate with you saying, you know, of just of different traditions, traditions as well. Um, things that you could be called to do and work with. Is there, do you have, I know you've got, you probably have a book about this. So let's just pimp your books out. Is there a book that you've written, Christopher, about how one can start connecting with their ancestors? <laughs> that is the mighty debt. Um, and it's the first part of the book is really about ancestral work. And the second part of the book is about really where my heart is for a lot of witchcraft, um, for lack of a better word, the saints of witchcraft. So Ooh. just as we have the saints in Catholicism and we've been Eastern Orthodox and we've got the Bodhisattvas in our you know Eastern Buddhist traditions, the idea of the enlightened or the venerated or sanctified dead um, and witchcraft are called the mighty dead. And so these are the kind of enlightened ancestors who were witches, who were sorcerers, who were priestesses, um, and kind of connecting to them to perpetuate the magic and to, to, for my vocation as being a priest, it's nice that I can call upon ancestors who were priests and priestesses. Mm -hmm. For my vocation of doing magic to help people, it's nice that I can call upon the healers in that ancestry. But they're not my blood ancestors necessarily but they're the ancestors of tradition, but even more so they're the enlightened ancestors of tradition. So they're often perceived of as a great collective consciousness or a conglomerate of all the past witches. And in some ways, all the future witches too, because they're outside of time. So, you know, all of us are there as well, waiting for them. Oh my goodness. And I'm, my mind, mind blown. Okay, I love it. Uh <laughs> We're running for we're running short on time, which is very sad because I could sit here and talk to you about all this um, just forever. Um, but let's go ahead and let's let's pimp you out again. Please tell everyone where they can find you. I know that you've got a new book coming out. Um, I believe it's just an updated version on um, one of your instruction manuals as well. And yep. yeah, so let's uh, yeah tell us everybody about that and where they can find you and take a class. So the best places to find me, um, my personal work is at ChristopherPenzak.com. And my temple work is at templeofwitchcraft.org, which is our whole community. Um, and the new books that have come out, I've actually put out three books this year already. And it's only, you know, July. I've got a couple I'm more. I'm 
jealous. <laughs> I have a 20 year anniversary edition of Inner Temple of Witchcraft just came out and we're hoping to do all six books as 20 year anniversary editions. Um, so we've got bright jewel covered colors, color covers out there. So this is the red one, red and gold. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and I put out a book called the, the Lighting of Candles, which is a book on candle magic. And that came out in February. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the beginning of the year in January, I put out a book called The Witch's Hut, which is sort of an artistic parable, you know, short story of just explaining witchcraft to an audience that might not know witchcraft. Um, it's probably one of my most artistic works for date. It's not a how-to book or anything exercise-wise, but um, it's more of a, a teaching story. I love that. What would you recommend um, someone who just came onto this podcast that is now overwhelmed and is drowning in Google searches about everything that we've just talked about? Uh, where would you recommend they started with your books if they were interested in learning about the craft and diving deeper into this? Many people who are beginners get a, a lot of value out of the Witch's Shield to start out with because mm -hmm. it's about spiritual hygiene, kind of grounding, centering, and protection. Okay. Um, and a lot of people who are just interested in magic but don't want to commit to something with a lot of stuff Instant Magic has often been a really good book because it's about meditative magic. Perfect. I think I have Instant Magic. I think I have that one on my bookshelf somewhere. I do. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much for your time here today. Much appreciative. Wonderful information. You've always just been a pleasure to talk to. Um, and I'm going to start taking classes and stuff soon because I just I do. Um, I, great. Such fun information. Uh, I am your host, Crystal Storm. I am a science fiction author. You can go and check out my books, all my information, listen to more podcast episodes, previous podcast episodes, future podcast episodes, the writing, the content, all the fun stuff that I do over on my website, crystalimagination.com. If you are listening to this on a podcast and or watching this on YouTube, you should come hang out with us live over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv backslash crystalsimagination. I'm going to do a book review later this evening, and then we also do gaming and other fun shit over here, and we role play and all kinds of shit. So so you should just come hang out if you're just a geek. You like esoteric shit and you're a geek, come hang out. We'll have fun. <laughs> uh, next week, I will be putting up the episode that I failed to put up last week. Don't judge me. I'm doing my shadow work. Uh, all about the paranormal. So that will be live here on the Twitch channel and over on the podcast. And then in July, I've got some different topics that I want us to talk about. So the announcement of our lineup for July will be announced very, very soon. So stick with it. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. We will be back here live on this Twitch channel around 8 o'clock doing the book review. So you can come hang out with us then if you want to. Otherwise, I will see you all next week. Do good. All right, whatever. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Well, hey, Crystal here. I wanted to thank you personally for joining us for this episode of Crystal's Imagination of the Talk Show. I hope you'll take a quick second to drop us a like, subscribe, leave a comment, and or a review. I would love to hear your feedback. If you have a guest suggestion, drop me a line at talkshow at crystalsimagination.com, or you can just send me a note and we can be email buddies. Want more podcasts? You can also check out the serialized fiction podcast of the same name, Crystal's Imagination. You'll find it on my YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out all the information down in the description. Till next time. <laughs>